This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Kowski just reported that the Nets are trading Kyrie Irving to the Mavericks. Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. And it looks like the exchange will be a first-round pick, multiple second-round picks, with Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith coming to Brooklyn. So Kyrie Irving has played his last game as a net. And by the way, how fitting is it? Kyrie's last game as a net was that, that, that debacle in Boston against the Celtics where they lost by, what was it, 43 points? They were down 30 after the first quarter, lost by 43 in Boston. So that is how the Kyrie Irving era in Brooklyn comes to a close. His final game in a net uniform was one that saw them down 30 at the end of the first quarter, losing by 43 against the Celtics team. That same Celtics team that got swept by last year in the playoffs. The same Celtics team that had championship aspirations when he got there and came nowhere close because he just destroyed the locker room. So how about that? What a fitting way. Do we have Alan Hahn already? I'm excited. Alan Hahn, talk to me about this uh, Kyrie Irving debacle. What, 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 what do you make of this trade here? Well, it's 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 something that I think is great because Sean Marks didn't let this linger. He waited to get some offers. They came fast and furious, and he took the best one for his team because the Lakers had nothing you wanted. The Clippers were mentioned, but I don't know what they could have offered that would have also been fitting. And you get back – first of all, what you get back is always the most important part because what you want to do for Kevin Durant is stay competitive, Right. So you add a, a Finney Smith, by the way, was a valued player for the Mavericks. They love him there. And so you add a, a, a piece that is a 3 and D wing that is a good player that has played in big-time games. I mean, he was really good for the Mavs through their run to the conference finals last year. But Spencer Dinwiddie is a player who has played here in Brooklyn before, has a comfort zone here, knows the organization well. And so he will fit – he should at least fit right in. Now, the best player in the deal went to Dallas. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, though, Ty. Dallas might think that they just landed a, a player who's going to take them to the next level. I don't know how this is going to work on the long term, meaning like in a month from now. The you first couple it. of games might look really nice because that's how we know Kyrie will get there and he'll be on his best behavior, all that stuff. But I'll tell you right now, Luka Doncic doesn't like to share the basketball with anybody. <laughs> and so this is going to be an interesting fit over time. And I know Dinwiddie's not a great defensive player either, but they also got worse defensively. So there's a lot going on here, but Sean Marks didn't waste any time, didn't let it linger, didn't let it turn into something where every day questions asked, get this thing out of here and let's start over. So they took the problem, got rid of it, and now they can at least move forward. So here's what's interesting to me, and it's multi-layer. One, the Mavs botched the Jalen Brunson resigning, and and they realized it. So this is their effort to... Correct it because well, yeah, you got Luca. Yep. Yeah, Luca in his prime. I mean, you could you could make a solid case. I don't think he is, but folks can make a case he's the best player in basketball. And at his age, you're just wasting his prime away. So you need to get him that second star. But the second part of this is like, if I'm the Nets, I, I said this, I wouldn't have traded Kyrie because here here's the history: you acquiesce to James Harden's trade demand, you sent him to Philly, you got Simmons back. The the Sixers we know won that trade. Whereas with Kevin Durant, you didn't. You, you you allowed him to stay put. He played to an MVP level, and you were the two seed. So when you give when you give into the trade requests, you lose. When you don't, 
you win. It worked out favorably for you. So I, I guess this had to, this had all the makings of he was prepared to sit out the rest of the season if they didn't trade him. I I mean I find that hard to believe because think about it. If he's like I'm not going to play, you're just destroying any value that you did have that you built up over the last couple of weeks. So why would the they trade him, Alan? That's my point. Why would they? Because trade you know you cause you've got to get rid of the problem, and he is the problem. It, it made no. I know a lot of people said to be defiant and stand up and force him to play and all that stuff. There comes a time a franchise has to say enough's enough. We're done with this guy. That's literally what they had. To, and they got to that point when they were starting to talk negotiations with him about an extension because clearly he wanted, all right, look, I'm going to give you about a month of my best behavior, playing my best basketball. And then I'm going to sucker you into thinking that, okay, it's all quiet now. Everything's settled and he's happy again and we're not going to have a problem. And now give me a full max. And they were like, no, no, no. We've had enough with you. And we know what to, what what it's like to deal with you when you have your guarantee in your pocket. We know any moment you're going to pull the rug out and do something else that's going to mess with this franchise's ability to have success. So they put stipulations on whatever deal they were talking to him about. And he didn't like it. So he went public about it. Put out a message. Then starts flirting with LeBron. Wants to control everything as always. And that's when it was enough's enough. You, he is... Kyrie Irving isn't even good enough as a basketball player to cover up how bad he is for business. Mm. And so they said having him around and not playing doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't help us. It doesn't make us better. And by the way, you've got to keep Kevin Durant satisfied to believe at least we've still got a team that can be very competitive. So you make the move, you get him out of here, you get rid of the headache, and now you just move forward and focus on trying to see what you can do with this group when Kevin Durant comes back healthy. They they could have let him sit and rot and, and ruin his trade trade value, but that does nothing for them in the immediate, and they had to do something for the immediate. We're talking to Alan Hahn. You can hear every day, including tomorrow, with Bart Scott from 12 to 3, right here on ESPN New York. Uh, so the full trade, the Nets uh, get Spencer Denwitty, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, and the Mavs are also sending them a 2029 unprotected first round pick, which you would assume is not going to be, you know, any of any high value. A 2020 second round pick and a 2029 second round pick. So you just mentioned KD. Uh, what do you? How do you think he feels about all of this? Is this going to be the first of many moves for Brooklyn because they're going to end up trading Durant as well, or do you think that they'll roll with what they have the rest of the season and, and see what they can do in the Eastern Conference? Well, I'll tell you what, Ty. What I what I can tell you is that when this all went down, teams were, you know, there were teams obviously of inter- interested. So what's it going to take? What's it going to cost? All that stuff. And then the second question was, if you're moving him, are you moving KD? What would it take? What would you want for him? And it doesn't sound like that they have any interest in moving Kevin Durant. It doesn't sound like Kevin Durant has any interest in moving either. From what I've been told, Durant has kind of reached that point of, listen, if we're just going to – like. If you don't want to have him here, let's move on, but let's not get worse because of it. So that's the point is Durant didn't Durant's trade request in the summer wasn't about I don't want to be here anymore, get me out of here. James Harden didn't want to be there anymore, get me out of here. Kevin Durant's was more of I don't like I don't like the direction we're going in. I just don't like how we're run. And that was really a point at Steve Nash. He's very happy with Jacques Vaughn. There is a good team 
around him. So for him, it was about, let's just not get worse. Let's stay competitive. Let's be contenders. So I don't see him pushing a trade out, at least right now in season. Now, whatever happens in the offseason, we'll see. But I think moving on from Kyrie and getting the headache out of there. And you remember a quote that Kevin Durant said, and it was after all the problems and everything else with Kyrie early in the season about that silly post that he just refused to delete. Mm-hmm. And when Kyrie finally came back and they were playing and they were winning, he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, you know, it's finally just about basketball again. <laughs> That's all he ever wants. Yep. So let's now see the Nets as they are finally about basketball again. And it'd be amazing to see how much freer they play as a team when those distractions are finally gone again. The hard part, of course, is going to replace the production that he brings on the court. That's always been the issue, but it's that addition by subtraction thing that you wonder if that takes effect with this group. So you look at Kyrie and Kevin Durant, who, you know, it it would appear are great friends. They've been planning this team up for years and years. So they end up in four years playing 87 games together. Amazing. Two playoff appearances. You won one series. Mm -hmm. One playoff series when that was against the Celtics in in 2021. Right. And and, and overall in 13 playoff games, you were 6-7. and In your final playoff series, you got embarrassed by the Boston Celtics. So talk about, like, you know, everyone gives, like, you know, Katie and Russ, that was a fair. At least they were in the finals. (laughs) At least (laughs) they were contending for championship. One playoff series win for these two guys? Yeah, and and it it, it does feel like when this happened, when it went down in 2019, and there was that sense again of, you know, the takeover, which we always hear about, never happens. um, It it goes back to the Pearson-Garnett stuff, you know, that, that whole thing when Brooklyn swung for the fences, hoping to get something out of it, and it was a, a, you know unmitigated disaster. And this is similar. And it wasn't anything that Kevin Durant did wrong. So what I still look at it as it was successful because it landed Kevin Durant, right? So the lore, the lore stunk, and it probably messed up your boat, and you almost sunk, but you still landed the big fish. And now you just hope that that big fish gets you the grand prize. Then you can buy yourself a new boat. You know, like it's just that's really what it's about. You've still got one of the great players in the history of the game on your roster because you got this guy. It still has to turn into something before Kevin Durant is either no longer playing, retires a net, or moves on to play somewhere else. That's So you can't call this a failure yet, but as a duo, yes, absolutely. And all the blame is pointed in one direction. And that's at Kyrie Irving. That's Kyrie Irving, who got Kenny Atkinson fired, who forced James Harden out of town, who watched Kevin Durant by himself try to carry this team multiple times to the point where he got hurt. Mm -hmm. And, like, like, I just don't understand if you're Dallas, though, like, pairing him with Luka, we can argue about the fit. You need to get Luka a second star. This ain't it. You feel confident enough? Ty, this ain't and, it. And, and, and Kyrie Irving, who's wrecked three franchises. The Cavs had title aspirations. They had one mm-hmm. one with LeBron. He wrecked that by, by asking for a trade. The Celtics, with one of the best coaches in basketball, one of the best trios in basketball with Smart, Brown, and Tatum, had a championship aspirations. He destroyed that locker room. The Nets, every single year, they're the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. He destroyed it. If you're Dallas, you feel comfortable giving this guy a max contract? Now, I'll tell you why. From Dallas's standpoint, now, on the outside, it looks like this is no way this is going to work. Not, not long-term. And when I say long-term, I mean, like, you know, April and May. When we get there, like, I think by then you'll start to see issues. You could. 
couple of things why Dallas will make this move and believe this is going to help them at least short term. The first one, it starts with Mark Cuban, who is a firm believer in our culture is great. Jason Kidd is your head coach. Here's a guy that Kyrie doesn't respect anybody that doesn't have a resume, right? That was his thing with with other with uh, Kenny Atkinson. Well, I mean, Jason Kidd is one of the great players in the history of the game as a point guard, right? So there's already that understanding and probably respect. I would hope so. Nico Harrison, who is the the GM, who has, you know, he's got connection with a lot of players from that generation through his years, obviously, with Nike. And there is also that belief that got a relationship already. He knows, you know, what we're about. So they hope to believe that that structure alone, which the Nets did not have. Let's be honest. I mean, Sean Mark's a good GM. But, you know, who is he on the grand scale? Even Jacques Vaughn, as much as he's done a good job. Steve Nash came in with, you know, two MVPs and, and a great career. But Steve Nash was clueless as a head coach. Clueless. Yes. And that was pretty evident from, from the beginning. So the problem with the Nets is that there wasn't enough of a established culture. It was a very precarious one. So here with Dallas, they believe they have it. Here's the other reason why Dallas believes in it. It's because Kyrie has proven he can play with a superstar. And he can be that kind of deferred, I can be the 1B, play with LeBron. He's looked back on his years with LeBron and realized that I needed to understand my place in this group. With Kevin Durant, when they were on the floor together, they were fantastic. As you mentioned, they hardly were, but when they were, they were fantastic. And also Kyrie understood where I find my spots in the game. Luka can't play 40 minutes a night, 48 minutes a night, but they certainly are making him play. Because when he comes off the floor, they're an awful team. Not bad. Awful. Just keep – look at their standing right now. They are two games over 500. They are the Knicks. I mean, they're two games over 500 in the West where no one is great. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of good teams, but no one's great. So they're a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, yep. and they're a two-game over 500 team this year. So this is a move that they think could spark them in a West that is very takeable by a lot of teams. For a group that just got to the conference final and took on the champions, you know, in a, in a six-game series. So I ask you this then, because we just got word today, Steph Curry's out multiple weeks yeah. dealing with another leg injury. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say another. The the other injury wasn't his leg. It was his right. shoulder. Uh, dealing with the leg injury. Uh, the, the They were the favorites to, to win the West, but it looks like That's injuries out. this year have, right. have you know, kind of taken, taken a hold of them. You think this this puts the Mavs up there as the as the favorites? To, if you had to bet all your money right now, I know you got a lot of it. MSG, ESPN, you do a lot of things. You're you know you're a wealthy man. Get out of my Get, wallet, Todd. Get out of my wallet. I got a lot of kids too. <laughs> you had to bet your money. You think the Mavs are coming out of the Western Conference? No. No, I don't think this makes them a favorite. I still think Denver is a favorite. Um, you know, I, I just think the way they're playing. This is this is Jokic's time. He's got to win, right? Like, he's got to win. I think the Clippers, if they ever freaking get healthy and stay healthy, I should say, because they are right now, you know, I mean, that team should be a favorite when oh, you watch them play. The a 17-point lead to the, and the fourth I mean, it's, to the Knicks. Huh? It's amazing, right? It is. It's, ama- <laughs> it's amazing when you watch them. It's just – you just, like, the, you talk about a maddening team. The Clippers are a maddening team. It's just, yes. once again, they're the second team in L.A. Nobody cares. So, the, not a lot is made about them. But, I mean, are you kidding me? You have Paul George and you have Kawhi Leonard, and you aren't dominating the NBA right now. So, you know, but you look at them and you say, man, they, they, this team should be a contender, right? Memphis, we thought, 
but they're starting to like, you know, they're a little too full of themselves right now and everybody's coming at them. Yeah. So Memphis, you know, you don't know what to make of them, but this is it's also kind of time for this group put up or shut up. So the West is going to be the playoff time for in the West going to be really interesting. Really interesting. But I'll tell you right now, your Lakers devastated today. Devastated. Yeah. Because there's no way they can get Kyrie now. None. No. And the Mavs, you know, one thing that Woj didn't say yet was that they they, you know, they've signed him to an extension. He can only, I think, I believe he can only sign a two-year extension off I this. thought I it was like two years, $83 million. Yeah, I, I don't think you can get a lot out of it, but he was looking for some, you know, stability. Because here's the problem. For Kyrie now, this is going to be everybody's watching. Because if you don't sign an extension with Dallas, and Dallas essentially just kind of, you know, took a gamble and they can always walk away, see you, well, we're done, we don't need you, didn't work, whatever it is, how many teams have cap space next year? and the ability to give him what he wants. And if he doesn't perform and they, you know, fall short, man, it's like that's a huge gamble that he so just I'm looking took. at it. Uh, Bobby Marks tweeted this out the other day. So the teams this offseason with projected room, you have the Pistons, the Rockets, the Pacers, the Thunder, the oh, Magic, yeah. and the Spurs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then teams that could make some room, you have the, the Hornets. Lakers. The, the Lakers, Lakers could the they have a lot of cap holds the that they could waive. Yeah, the Lakers would would they, the Lakers could could basically waive the entire roster with just LeBron and Anthony Davis left and make room for Kyrie. And then that would give them room for Kyrie and then they would have to just hope they could, you know, use an exception and then sign a whole bunch of guys on veterans minimums, which you know, we've seen it happen before in the league, but I, I you know, that that would be, you know, that's another place to go where you just shake your head like how do you possibly make this work? I just don't understand how you trust this guy. A three straight franchises. It doesn't make sense. Uh, bef- uh, talent, before we get your talent, Ty, talent. That's why you put up with them. Look at our business. There's people who are the most maddening people <laughs> to deal with. Yet, yet because of their talent, they are front and center, making all the money. I got to ask you about the Knicks. So I, I, it, it's the type of game, and I know athletes will never agree with this because they're playing and, and it's different. But as a fan, watching last night, it, to me, it just feels like so they're down – uh, let me get the exact. They were down, what was it, 11 with like three minutes left to go in the game. Mm-hmm. And oh, they were down eight with three twelve left to go in the game. And at yes. that point, from an emotional standpoint, RJ hits a three there. Yeah, RJ Barrett hit the hit three. The three. Yeah. You'd ra- to me, you'd rather just lose it there than lose the way that you did because what? you come back and then you take a three point lead, but and, but then you Wait get the second. you Hang get the miss on Paul whoa, George. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You give whoa, whoa, whoa. up the whoa, offensive whoa, whoa. rebound and Batum hits a buzzer beater and you go to. I would rather just lose there down. You would eight. rather lose down eight than fight back and have a chance to win and off of a. A bad bounce, a deflection, and then a just chuck and duck three that just happens to go in. You, you'd rather have lost by. This is the guy that told me that when I said the Yankees playing with house money in 2017, that. different. you got That's mad different. at me thinking like, no, you got to win and you got a chance to win and you give it all you got, blah, blah, blah. And you're no, telling me different. you'd rather lose by eight, like in the last three minutes, just bow out and just give up, than actually fight back. To see your team fight to a point where they have their first lead of the game with 52 seconds left yeah. in the game. A game you were down by 17, you were mm-hmm. down by 11, like you mentioned it, you were down by what was it uh, again, 8? You were down 3 eight minutes to 12. Yep. And you're and you're telling me that it's better to just have let go of the rope at that point no, than so see a team it, fight no. back and have a fluke bounce, run around, throw it around, just throw it up and it goes in at the buzzer and, and I mean, what are you going to do at that point? 
Like you just. I don't think I would rather that. Now. I'm saying after the game, as I'm sitting, there, if I'm a Nick fan sitting there, once that game concludes and I'm watching, I'm watching your handsome face on my television do the post game. I wasn't though last night. See, you already you weren't paying attention. I wasn't. Well, I wasn't listen, come typically, typically, right? <laughs> so typically that happens. I'm saying that at that moment, yeah, of course I want them to come back and I want to see the you know yeah, the fight matters more than fight. anything, yes, Ty. But I'm saying from an emotional standpoint, with all these heartbreaking losses this year, yep. just bow out down eight. Don't don't get me nah, excited. See, don't I, flirt. There's don't no flirt Nick with fan in the world. See, and this is another problem, is that you are a Lakers fan. You've always been. So, you, you know, I'm not going to call you a fraud. You've always been a Lakers fan. And for you to try to know what it feels like as a Knicks fan and say, I'd rather that, that you can't relate. It's un, It's impossible for you to relate to that. You would rather see your team fight and show life and show me something than bow out because for many of the last 20 years, the team has just let go of the rope and fallen off. And that's what's more frustrating is you got to show me something. No, but show you, me you something. And they do. They li- show you something. They fight yeah. back. The problem is, you know what they are? They're, they are a really good they, – they're like the Mets two years ago. Remember, when, like, remember before Diaz was all Timmy Trumpet and all that crap? <laughs> Yeah. Like and he could he couldn't save he couldn't save his life right he couldn't <laughs> save his own life he's like that leads, like they, they out of that's style. I mean this is what they are they were a team that the Knicks are like that they've got offense that can come back they've got a defense that at times can be competitive but they cannot close the deal they are an all they don't have a closer that's they are they're a baseball team without a closer. You and that's why that you are re- just a barely over 500. You think that I can't relate because I'm a – I can relate yeah, because I'm a Jets relate. fan, sir. I'm a Jets fan who's watched heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. Well, I mean, that's, that a different har- that's a different heartbreak, though. That's like that's – like, that heartbreak comes in, like, the second quarter. I, but it's in the fourth <laughs> quarter sometime. You saw against the Vikings with Barrios. Yeah. If he just catches the ball in the end zone, the Jets win a big game. They make the playoffs. Or, or, so, the, or the flag against the Patriots when we thought oh, the game was over, right? Oh you get that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. I hear so, you. All right. So, you, all right, so, all right, so Jets, yeah, you can relate it, the, it that way. What's his name? Marcus Jones, who ran it back for 84-yard <laughs> touchdown? I would rather just lose the game earlier than that than <laughs> have my heart broken in that fashion. So that's, that's all I'm saying. I, I don't know. I think, I think fight's important for a young team. You still got to show me that you for can battle them. back. I'd rather you – like, I'd rather you figure, me. I'd rather you figure out things through pain, than just completely not know how to fight back. Like, look, you got to build up the you got to learn from losing. Do you win or you learn? Is something that Tib says all the time. It's one of my favorite sayings, because that's really what it is about. If I lose, I better figure out why and don't let it happen again. The problem this year is that it's been, it happens a <laughs> lot. So not closing out against Luca off the off the missed free throw. You know that kills you to just not. Make that play. Not to put a body on somebody. Not to just slam Kawhi. The minute that ball is in the air, you just got to drop him. You know, all right, call the foul. He can't shoot that. Call the foul. Like, he gets the ball. His back's to the basket. There's, We know there's only seconds left in the game. That's just, I mean, forearm right in the back. Take him out. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's a right? great point. How are you like, not but fi- that's quick. an instinct as a player you've got to have. And everybody's saying that Tibbs didn't tell him that. You need a coach to tell you that at that point. You need a coach to tell you you're up three. There's very few seconds left on the clock. You probably should foul so no one can take a three. You got to foul. Everybody knows you got to foul. And that should be a player instinct. And the only way for some players to make that an instinct is to have it beaten into him with the pain of losing. Just quickly because I got to get to it. We've kept you for a half hour. And the hell with the break. The hell with the break. It's the weekend. 
It's I I get it. They're screaming at me, but let's ignore them. Tell uh, them so to I pipe use, down. Someone has to explain this to me because like Julius Randle became an All Star, mm-hmm. and I I just uh, pointed this out. In the last forty years, the Knicks have five players have made the All Star team multiple times. It's, yes. it's Melo, yes. Allen Houston, Ewing, right. Bernard King, and Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. Randle has been terrific this year. I think what hurts him is that his game isn't aesthetically pleasing. And that he's not homegrown, so he's low hanging fruit for for Nick I don't fans think to destroy it's, him. I don't think it's those two. So I what think is it? The, 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 honestly, because I do think his power game this year. I think his game is better this year than it was two years ago. Oh, it absolutely is. I think he's a better player than he was two years ago, even oh, though the numbers sure. are, are relatively the same. Because I think he's added to his shot profile, which makes him a little more like. I think he's had some plays. Like, he's had some power dunks. He's had some finishes. He's had some three-point shooting. Like, there's times you watch him, you're like, yo, he's on it right now. Like, you, it, it, he's more enjoyable to watch this year. The problem with Randall, which is why everybody can't stand him, I think, is because late in games, he's not reliable. It's as simple as that. He misses free throws. He, he doesn't make big plays down the stretch. And I think all-stars are one thing. All right, he puts up numbers. That's great. But is he a winning player? And I believe that a lot of fans don't see him as that because in clutch moments, he's rarely clutch. And that Patrick Ewing dealt with that for a while early on, and then he started to make some clutch plays and big plays. But, uh, you know, people forget, Patrick Ewing used to get criticized heavily in New York, missed that that put-back, I should say put-back, the uh, layup. Uh, the finger roll against the Pacers the year yeah. after they went to the finals. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a big moment, big play, and all he's got to do is dunk it, and he doesn't dunk it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he's had big moments, but he's also had moments of failure, and fans have gotten on Patrick's case. But years later, we forget it all because we love him, and it's the best the Knicks have ever been in, in this generation. So I think Randall deals with that. If he had a couple of buzzer beaters, a couple of, you know, big games – where he makes this amazing play and, you know, they win the game because, you know, he made, you know, six of six from the free throw line in the last minute. I don't think you'd have a problem as much as you do now. I think it's mainly because his signature moment, he's never had one. His signature moment is still thumbs down, right? And that's not the good one. And unfortunately, <laughs> that's reality. His one buzzer beater in his Knicks career was in the preseason. He won a game in the preseason at the buzzer. But but in regular season, yeah. we haven't seen him have big moments. I'm telling you, I believe it's that more than anything else. But listen, I, Alan, I, I dis- so here's where I disagree. I just think that there are some people, or there are some athletes slash managers who, when their teams lose, we, we we're just going to blame them regardless. The Yankees, it happens with Aaron Boone. With the Knicks, it's with Julius Randle. Go on, so on and so forth with all sure. the teams. That's fair. Uh, the Jets just named the quarterback, right? Like the, we're just blame the quarterback. Yep. Randle, I think even as let's just say he goes out there today and hits a, a walk off against the Sixers. If he people will uh, say they finally lose, they'll say they finally lose, they lose to the Magic on what is it Tuesday? Hey, the Magic playing they, well lately. They're gonna be they're gonna be blamed. Yeah, they have, they have been playing well. They just the beat the Warriors the other day. Yeah, don't they sleep on the Magic. This is beat the Warriors. They they're gonna be blaming him again. I I just think that until like, if if he's able to unlock something within himself and he can somehow get the Knicks to win a playoff series, until that, I I don't think that he's ever gonna get you know he's ever gonna ingratiate himself with his fan base. I think it's but fair. I think it's RJ Barrett. What I do I make of RJ Barrett? Why do people keep making excuses for him? Because I'm not seeing this. This, this is the first year. This is the first year I feel disappointed in him, and I don't know if he came into the season the right way men- mentally and physically. Like, I don't know if he's in elite shape. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think – like, I question whether or not he did everything he needed to do going into the season to be ready to take that next step and be an all-star. And I think it's fair to just wonder, you know, what is it? I'm not saying that he's – you know, his work ethic, all that stuff. I don't, I'm not questioning any of that. But I question is just whether or not he's himself ready to dedicate completely to being a great player. And I don't know if he understands – because if you say it to him, I bet you he'd take it personal and say, what are you talking about? But it, you could see it in guys when they take that next step. It's generally because they show up one year and they're just ready to destroy everything in their path. And I haven't seen that in him. And, you know, I just I – I also wonder if he's playing the right position. I don't know if he's a three. He should not be a wing. He mm. should be a two. So he could be out of position as well. There's a lot of things with RJ. By the way, the Islanders just signed Bo Horvat to an oh, eight-year wow. deal. Lou Lamarillo makes a huge – it's a gigantic deal. This is a guy okay. who was the captain of the Canucks, 30-goal scorer coming into this year. They have not had a player like this in a long time, and they swung for the fences on a trade that if they couldn't sign him, they would have probably had to trade him again just to get out of it. Lou Lamarillo put his money where his mouth is, and he got, he got him locked up and signed during the All-Star break. This is a big deal. So that's another huge story today. Just, just throwing it out there. $68 million. Eight years, baby. Eight years. That's a He's lot of money. Set. Wait, so are you not working tonight? Are you not doing pre and post? No, it's on ESPN exclusive. We get Ryan Rucco on the call on oh. ESPN. So, yeah. I thought you were load managing again like you did last night. Let me tell you something. It's not up to me. I'm being told to sit. You are the Kawhi <laughs> Leonard of MSD Network. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Alan Hines. I'll, Thank I'll you tell you so what, I'll take his salary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thanks Ty. So much, best, man. man. Appreciate you. That was Alan Hyde. We went on for 35 minutes. We have a, a, a clock correction to do. 800-919-3776. Hit me up on Twitter. Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. Kyrie Irving no longer a net. He is now a member of the Dallas Mavericks. We continue to react to that for the next two hours right here on 1970 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Cavs who had won a championship with Kyrie and LeBron, you ask for a trade request, or you ask for a trade, their title hopes are done. The Celtics with Tatum, Brown, and Smart, now they are a little earlier in their career, with Brad Stevens as the head coach, had title aspirations. They had been to the Eastern Conference, just kept losing to LeBron. Been to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost to LeBron James. Torched their title hopes. And now you did that with the Nets. So Kyrie Irving punted on winning championships potentially with LeBron, which would have been a second one, and Kevin Durant. That should tell you all you need to know. How do you have LeBron as a teammate, Durant as a teammate, and, and two times successfully, you're like, yep, I'm out. The, the grass is greener on the other side. So that should tell you all you need to know about Kyrie. He's selfish. He's untrustworthy. Good riddance if you're the Nets. Uh, but uh, I guess more importantly for them, as far as their championship window, their position to make a move if they won at the deadline, they, they have the 2027 first-round pick from the Sixers. That's top eight protected. You'd imagine it's not going to end up in the top eight. The Sixers are, are, are really good We're right now, so we'll see what happens. But uh, they've got that pick, 2029. They've got the first-rounder from Dallas. And then you've got your own 2029 first-round pick, five or more seconds. You've got the Joe Harris contract. You've got the Seth Curry contract. You've got the Patty Mills contract. And fresh off of, you know, Cam Thomas's 44-point performance off the bench last night, uh, he can become a, an attractive, valuable asset. So the Nets could be in position to make another move. We'll see what direction they go in. Do they stand pat, or is there another move to be made? 
Uh, but if you're Kevin Durant, you got to get on the phone with Dame Lillard right now and say, listen, I know you're loyal to Portland and you don't want to leave, but we've got a chance to win a championship. We, we, we've got the assets to trade for you. Would you decide to go to management and request a trade? Because that's, that's the one name that jumps out to me right now, that the Nets can go out there and, and still put themselves in a position to win a championship. Because as presently constructed, love Dinwiddie and what he was for the Nets. DFS, great, you know, 3 and D guy. They're not winning a title with this group. And also, also mentioned, Markeith Morris was, was involved in that trade that sent Kyrie to the Mavericks. 800-919-3776. Let's take uh, a phone call here. We go to uh, Aaron in the car. What's up, Aaron? Aaron. The dojo once again. How you doing, man? In the dojo. Waving the 4-4. What's up? I mean, you're, you, you're breaking boards, you're hitting the heavy bag. I figure with, the, with this Kyrie Irving news, you're on the verge of busting out the nunchucks next, man. <laughs> Listen, it's actually fun being on the air when big, a big breaking story happens. Like, this is dope. I'm having a good time, man. Ah, it's good stuff, dude. Good stuff. Uh, oh, first and foremost, shout out to the company. Uh, but company. yeah, I think I'm really impressed with uh, with what the Nets were able to pull off here. I mean, you, you figure with all the drama going on with Kyrie and threatening to sit out, like any team that was going to trade for him, you run that risk if he doesn't want to play for you. So you think his, his trade value is at an all-time low. Then getting back Dinwiddie, he's only making $18 million this year, next year. You know, Finney Smith is, you know, locked in through, I believe, 2026, not making a lot of money himself, and he got picks back. Um, I think it's a good trade for the Nets. The headache is gone. And, you know, you, you see what you, gotta, what you can uh, pull off next. Yeah, man, I appreciate the call, uh, Aaron, and appreciate the love as always. I, it's it's now going to create a fascinating next four days as we head into the trade deadline. Because look, just three days ago, uh, Kyrie had been playing well for the Nets. I mentioned last night they improved to five and seven without Durant. We saw reports that he's back running and you know getting back into game shape with the hopes of returning potentially before the All Star break. And you thought if he comes back and, and, and they can be cooking, but now he asked for a trade and he ends up in Dallas. So you start to look ahead and see what what what's net management thinking right now? Because you know Kevin Durant's going to be heavily involved in whatever decision they make next. Uh, you just got to wait and see what's going to happen. Got to wait and see what's going to happen. Now, uh, Joe Leo, can I bring you to the forefront? What's up? Because you're a Nets fan. Yes, I am. So your thoughts on this trade? Because you went from being a title contender to right now as presently constructed, you're not winning a championship. So how do you feel? We're not winning a championship, but, uh, you know, and I don't want to, you know, prey on the downfall of injuries, but injuries are going to happen. One team is going to be hurt come playoff time. So if this team can stay healthy, I would love to see this complement of players around Durant. I think Han said it perfectly last segment. The team's going to just be freer and not have the headache that is Kyrie Irving looming at every single sh uh, stop. And I really, really am excited to see how far this team can go because I think Jock Vaughn's a really good head coach. And, I mean, Durant's the best player in the league when he's healthy. So, plus he elevates his game come playoff time so yeah. i really I, I just i want to i want to see this team on the floor and i cannot wait 
until I think it's seven thirty tomorrow night. They play uh, they play the Clippers, so that's yeah. gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a fun game tomorrow night. I I, I it's, listen Nets. This is a, an important four day stretch here because this is going to dictate that the the tenor of the franchise moving forward. You still have Kevin Durant in his prime. Assuming he st- he wants to be here, and Allen intimated, yes, that's the case. He still wants to be here. Got to find another star to get here because this this team right now is not contending for a championship. You have some assets now. Because of the James Harden and, and Kyrie Irving trade, you have some assets. Jason in New Jersey wants to talk. What's up, Jason? What's going on, Ty? So as I'm holding on, I'm thinking, you know what? They should make an award in the NBA for most disappointing, and that would be Kyrie Irving's award because – he really is. He's so talented, but yet he's so frustrating. As a coach, I don't know why you would ever want him. I'm a Knicks fan. I never wanted him. He's cancerous to your team. He really is. And he's yeah. like the opposite of Tom Brady. He doesn't care if he wins. Like, there's no care. He's like ho-hum. But if he was an aggressor, and just he could be a dominant. He is dominant at half throttle, you know? Yeah. Disappointing. It's very dis. It's very disappointing. I appreciate the call, Jason. And what's so frustrating is that there's nothing worse than a, a guy this talented, uh, who is just uh, a lack of awareness and, and very selfish. Because Kyrie Irving cares about himself. You you cannot sit here and tell me that he's a team player. That he's all in on trying to win a championship. Yeah, I mentioned you play with LeBron James. That that's like your best chance of winning a championship. You want it out. He went to the Celtics, same deal with the Nets. So how do you sum up Kyrie's tenure in Brooklyn? Chaotic, roller coaster, frustrating, a disaster. An absolute disaster. Doesn't care about his teammates. Doesn't care about his coaches. Doesn't care about the GM or the organization. Doesn't care about his fan base. He he dances to the tune, uh, to the beat of his own drum. Which is so funny. You go back to when Kevin Durant had initially gotten hurt, and he was asked, you know, why is this, why is Katie's absence this year any different? And to quote Kyrie, he said, well, I'm consistently in the lineup. That helps. We also don't have anyone who's halfway in the locker room. <laughs> well, that's a tweet. Uh, that's a, a comment that didn't age well. No one who's halfway in the locker room. What an absolute joke. What an absolute, absolute joke. We go back to the phone lines at 800-919-3776. Mario is also calling from New Jersey. What's up, Mario? How's it going, Ty? Uh, I'm a big Nets fan. Uh, I kind of disagree with you. You say we don't really have a chance as presently constructed. I think, actually, this is a good um, addition by subtraction move. Uh, we, we got bigger. Uh, Dimity is a better passer than Kyrie. Uh, of course, Kyrie's a better player all around, but Dimity is a better passer, and I think that works better with our team. And um, he's already good friends with KD, so, you know, KD can get another BFF, so he doesn't have to really, uh, you know, get adjusted or anything like that. So I think, you know, I think we still can be top four in the East. Um, we matched up better now with uh, Boston and um, the Bucks now, I think, with a better, bigger guard. I think the last thing left is get rid of Ben for, like, another shooter, and we'll be in great shape, honestly. Well, it's easier said than done. I appreciate the call, Mary. I have to vehemently disagree. You're not better suited but. You don't remove Kyrie Irving from the lineup. Repra- replace him with Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith and and become closer to the Celtics and Bucks. I'm sorry, that just doesn't happen. I'm being honest. I, Durant is tremendous, but 
what we know about this league, you need two stars. So the Celtics are giving you Tatum and Brown, one of the best duos, if not the best duo in basketball. Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday, we've seen that trio win a championship. Joel Embiid is the NBA's leading scorer this year. Uh, probably should have been the starter. Who knows? Uh, Harden has been great with Tyrese Maxey and then Tobias Harris, who's found his role. They added uh, DeAnthony Melton, who's become a reliable shooter for them. Those teams are too talented for it to just be KD and, with all due respect, a bunch of guys and me say, you know what, they're, they're in better position to win a championship now that Kyrie Irving's not here. Now, from a, a locker room standpoint, you don't have to deal with that distraction because it was just like a ticking time bomb. You were just waiting for some controversy. We'll go through Kyrie's timeline coming up uh, in, in hour three, but you were just waiting for something to happen because it always does with Kyrie Irving. It's never about basketball, which is so funny. Him and Kevin Durant couldn't be any more different. So KD made the wrong choice in choosing his teammate, but they couldn't be any more different. KD just wants to hoop. He wants to play ball. He wants to compete for championships. Kyrie Irving disinterested in all of that. Kyrie Irving cares about Kyrie Irving. Hour number three coming up. Ty Butler right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.